right, let's take our Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 22. Genesis chapter number 22. We're going to read several verses this morning. In Genesis chapter number 22, I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God, if you would please. In Genesis chapter number 22 uh, is where we're going to be at this morning. Our theme this year is Faith That Moves Mountains. And uh, we've been going through the book of uh, Matthew as our uh, key verse there about faith that moves mountains. If we have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, we can command the mountain to remove itself. It says to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And I'm looking for impossible things to be made possible this year because of faith. And so let me encourage you. We're going to be talking about some things about faith. And uh, God's laid on my heart on Sunday mornings to preach on faith and different aspects of faith. And so I want to share this with you this morning. Genesis chapter number 22, uh, we're starting in verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said unto his young men abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it, upon, uh, laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar uh, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. I'm going to preach a message to you this morning about courageous faith. Courageous faith. And we're going to talk about some things. Last week we spoke on believing faith and Uh, The week before that, the attitude of faith. But we're going to talk about courageous faith and having courage in our faith just to serve God when it seems impossible. And uh, we're going to talk about courageous faith this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've given us to be in this place today. Lord, I pray that you use the word of God to speak to hearts. I pray that you encourage us uh, to be bold, Lord, to live courageous, be of good courage. And uh, Lord, I just pray that if there's any here today that do not know you, that they'll trust you this morning. Lord, but that you'll help us not to be weak in our faith because we can be strong in you. 
And Lord, I just pray that you'll encourage us and strengthen us today. Lord, we'll give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Uh, We spoke two weeks ago when we talked about the attitude of faith. We talked about the life of Joseph and how uh, Joseph had uh, faith through his circumstances and all that he went through. And last week we spoke about Jacob, the life of Jacob, and how uh, you're not defined by your past. You can't allow your past to define you. And how uh, though Jacob was a deceiver, how uh, God used him in a mighty way once he uh, decided just to follow the Lord and get honest with who he really was and all of those things. And now we're going to talk about Isaac today. And there's not a whole lot uh, mentioned about Isaac in the Bible. There's not a, a whole lot that we can see that he grew up through all of this and did all of these things and all that. Uh, most of what you see was he was just in subjection to his father and did what his father told him to do. And uh, later on in life, we know uh, what happened with Rachel and Jacob. And we talked about that a little bit last week. But I began to think about as I was studying this week, going through Genesis and reading some things about Abraham and about Isaac. And, you know, Abraham was called the friend of God. What a testimony you would have uh, to be called called the friend of God. You know, I'm glad that he's a friend to us that stick it closer than a brother. But I wonder, can you be considered a friend of God? I mean, your testimony, if he looked down and he thinks of the name Eddie Singhas, would he say, that's a friend of me? You know, what a testimony Abraham had. And I believe that wasn't just a testimony that Abraham talked about. I believe it's one that he lived out, that people could see around him, that Abraham had faith in God and that he believed him. And you remember God gave him a promise that he would have a son and that he would multiply his seed as much as the sands of the seashore and all of those things. And through this promised son that God would do many things and uh, all of this stuff. And now here we are that this son that God had promised him, God is asking him to sacrifice his son on the altar. You would say, well, what kind of God would do something like that to his child, one that's trying to follow him by faith, one that's trying to uh, do what he wants him to do. Now he promised to give him this son, and now he's trying to take the son away from him. Listen, I think Abraham understood that God uh, was going to keep his word. God was going to do what God said he was going to do. God told him that through Isaac and through Isaac's seed that he would multiply uh, Abraham's seed. And he talked about all of that. So he knew that God was going to have to do something supernatural. When God told him to take thy son and sacrifice thy son upon the altar, what he was saying to him was, I want to see how strong your faith really is. I want to see, do you have enough courage to follow me even when you don't understand what the outcome is going to be like? Even when you don't know what's happening in the future. But now it comes to pass, the Bible says in this passage, that God told Abraham to uh, take his son, his only son, Isaac. And what I was intrigued by this was when he, in this first verse, he says this, and he said, detect Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. He calls him out, and Abraham didn't have to have God call him three or four times. He said, Abraham, and Abraham said, Lord, here I am. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham acknowledged God's voice. And I I, I was wanting to learn a very valuable lesson from this, is that, listen, when God speaks to you, you ought not to make him speak three or four times. You ought to listen the first time and acknowledge the first time that God speaks and say, Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. But while there's not much in the Bible about Isaac, there's a whole lot about Abraham. And we can read about Abraham and talk about Abraham and know all that God used Abraham to do. 
But through all of these things, we know Abraham made a bad decision and tried to take uh, things into his own hands. And you had Ishmael and, uh, that was uh, born uh, of Abraham in his own way, but that wasn't God's promise. God's promise was Isaac. And don't think that our sinful actions don't affect us because we're still dealing with that problem today. You say, what are you talking about? you got the Palestinians and all of those which came from Ishmael. And then you have the Jews there which came from Isaac. And uh, you have one that was given the birthright by promise. And you have one that thinks because I'm the eldest I get the birthright. And there's a constant battle. And listen, no matter what we do, we're not going to fix that problem in the Middle East. Why? Because one man's sin caused a ripple effect. And we're still dealing with that now. You say, how is that relevant? Because of one man's sin in the garden, we still have that ripple effect today. The Bible says that we're all sinners. By one man's sin, sin entered the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. God gave Adam some specific instructions in the Garden of Eden not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, of every other tree in the garden, thou shalt freely eat. But when Eve took of that fruit, she was tricked by, by the serpent, and then she gave to Adam, and Adam ate, deliberately disobeying God, and because of that, sin then was passed upon all men. All of us, our sinful actions do affect those around us. We need to understand that. And because of Adam's sin, it affected all of us. And God, I'm glad in his grace and mercy, uh, came to die on the cross and shed his blood for you and I so that we could be made whole again through the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I get excited when I think about that even though we were sinners deserving of hell, that God loved us in spite of who we are and is willing to save us as low as we think we are. He's willing to save us by grace through faith that we trust him by faith and receive him as our savior and he said you shall be saved and I get excited to know that old things can be passed away and all things become new in Christ I, I get joyful in that I'm glad there's a few people that get excited about that if you're saved by the grace of almighty God this morning there ought to be a spring in your step now I don't think we're always going to sit in church and wave hankies and run around all over the place but you know what you ought to have some joy in your heart you ought to have some joy inside your heart that God loved you so much that in spite of your sin, sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross, to shed His blood, to be buried for three days, take our hell for us, and then take the keys of death and hell, and up from the grave He arose, and He conquers death and hell, and offers life freely to anyone who will receive it. And that's a joy to me. I get excited about those things. But as I was studying this story and going down through this account in Scripture, I saw Abraham's faith being lived out. Abraham was setting an example for his child of what faith was all about. I believe with all my heart that, I, that Abraham loved Isaac. I believe that Abraham uh, loved Isaac so much. But when God told him, hey, I want you to give of your son and sacrifice him on the altar. I wonder how many of us would have said, okay, Lord, we'll do it. But we would argue with God, wouldn't we? Parents, I wonder if God told you, hey, can I have your child, what would you say? What would you say to him? If we say, hey, if God says, hey, I want your child to surrender his life to me and I want him to go over to a foreign field and uh, live in this uh, really uh, tough conditions and have to deal with a lot of uh, persecution and have to deal with all these things and he laid it all out for you and said, hey, I want you to give your child to me, would you be willing to do it? But see here, he loved his son. It was God's promise to him. And now God's saying, hey, I want you to kill your son. I want you to put him on the altar and sacrifice him to me. 
And as I was going through all of this, I began to think about what courage Abraham had to have to live out his faith even in a tough circumstance. Abraham didn't argue with God in this passage. I began to look at it. It says, when he said, here I am, in verse 2, and he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, look what he says, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And it doesn't say Abraham argued with God for many months and many years, and went his own way and tried to do this. No, it says, and Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took the uh, two young... Uh, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. I want you to see what kind of faith it takes. If you're going to have courageous faith, there's going to be some obedience in your life. Some obedience in your life. And it's immediate obedience. It's not an obedience that God has to keep telling you over and over and over and over and over again. It's an immediate Lord, here I am, and God says, do it, and we just get up and do it. See, Abraham went immediately. And there's a significance behind all of this, because I want you to see as we go down here the pattern of what Jesus or what God was doing uh, in Abraham's life. There was this immediate obedience. We're going to jump to Isaac here in just a few minutes, but I want to share some stuff with you here this morning. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Look what he's saying. Didn't get, wait, hold on. Abraham must be confused. Because God told him, you're going to go in this place, you're going to sacrifice your son on the altar, and you're going to give him a sacrifice unto me. But he's saying to them, listen, we're coming back. We're going up here to worship God, and we're coming back. I and the lad, both of us are coming back. What kind of faith is Abraham having here? Abraham's saying, well, God told me to sacrifice him, but wait a second, we're coming back. Are you saying that you're going to do something contrary to what God wants you to do? No, I believe Abraham had faith in God. Look what it says in verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. And look what he said. Laid it upon Isaac, his son. That, that means Isaac isn't a little infant right here. Isaac isn't some little boy that his daddy has to carry him. No, he said, hey, you're carrying the wood. Which means Isaac is a little bit older. Isaac's probably in his teenage years. He's able to carry those things and go up the mountain and carry the wood for his father. He's, he's pretty uh, strong, you could probably say, as a, a young man. Because back in those days, they didn't have a lot of video games and things like that. So they, they were actually strong. They actually got out and did things, you know, and uh, had some energy behind them and knew how to work and all those kind of things. I know you think I'm meddling right now, but uh, the rabbit ran by and I had to shoot it, okay? Work is not a bad word, okay? Uh, work is not one of those curse words, even though we've made it one in today's society. We ought to have a mind to work. And work for the Lord. But Isaac was, was one that was strong. And he was one that was uh, doing what his dad asked him to do. It says uh, that he laid the wood upon Isaac. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife. And they went, both of them, together. And Isaac has enough wherewithal about him to understand that there's something missing in this picture. That wait, we're going to offer a sacrifice. 
And I don't believe Abraham was deceiving Isaac and all of this. I don't think Abraham was trying to trick his son. I just believe he had faith in God that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. And as they're going up the mountain, Isaac's looking around and he says, Dad, we have the wood and we have the knife, we have the fire. Well, where's the lamb? Which, you know what, that shows me that he knew what sacrifices were all about. He'd seen his daddy sacrifice things before. He had seen his dad worship the Lord in that way, and he knew what was all supposed to be there in a sacrifice. He understood what all had to take place in this time that we're going to worship the Lord with sacrifice. He said, there's something missing, Dad. Where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, verse 8, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Now, this might be a little hard to comprehend, but as you're going up there thinking, well, hold on a second. God just told Abraham to kill his son Isaac. Now he tells his son that God's going to provide himself a lamb. You think Abraham's a little confused? Maybe he woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning or he got up out out the wrong side of the the fire that morning. Something's not right in his head. We knew his son was going to be the sacrifice, and he's saying God's going to provide himself a lamb. Is there something confusing here? No, Abraham's just faith in God was just understanding that God is always going to keep his word. And that even if he did have to sacrifice his son, that God was going to raise his son from the dead and do what he could only do. But he was just trying to show God his faith. You're trying to show God his faith. In verse 9, and they came to the place which God told him. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. And look what it said, and bound Isaac, his son. Now, here's a boy that just carried wood up the mountain. I don't think that this is something where if Isaac wasn't in complete submission to his daddy, his daddy probably wouldn't have been able to bind him. You say, why is that? Because you remember how old he was when Isaac was born? I don't know how many 90, 100-year-olds or whatever could keep up with a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old. Well, I know back in then, they, back in those days, they were a little different and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, Isaac had to be in complete submission to his dad in this situation. It said that he was bound, that Abraham bound him and laid him upon the altar, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And then the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And look again what happens. As soon as he calls Abraham, look what Abraham says. Here am I. Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. See, Abraham's faith, not only was there that complete obedience, listen, he actually obeyed completely through all that he wanted to do. And even though he understood it was a hard circumstance, he was going to follow through the orders that God gave him, even if it meant sacrificing his son on the altar. You say, well, that's not even right that God would ask him that. No, God was doing something. God was testing Abraham's faith. God was testing Abraham's faith. And I wonder how many times God tests our faith and uh, we fail miserably. He tells us to do something and we say, Lord, I'll do it, and we don't do it. Or he calls out to us on numerous occasions and we don't answer. 
But we know that Abraham's faith was lived out, and as I spoke in Sunday school this morning about living out our Christianity and different things like that. Listen, I believe what we're going to look at here with Isaac uh, was a direct reflection of what his father lived out. Isaac trusted the relationship that Abraham had with God. How many of us would be willing just to lay down on an altar as a sacrifice? See, you understand God gives us that command. He tells us to present our bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. He said, which is your reasonable service? So how do we live that way as a sacrifice for the Lord as we are not conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind? We allow God's word to penetrate us. So we're going to look at Isaac a little bit. Uh, While there's much in the Bible, again, about Abraham, and we read about that, how he's called the friend of God, I believe that this passage of Scripture is the key episode of the, uh, 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 in Isaac's story. It reveals the theme of his life. And here was the theme of Isaac's life. He was surrendered to the will of his father. He was surrendered to the will of his father. His willingness to let Abraham offer him as a sacrifice illustrates what it means for a Christian to live in submission to our Heavenly Father. And guess what it takes? It takes courage to be submissive. It takes courage to have submission to God. You say, why does it take courage? Because it goes against everything that you and I know in our flesh. It goes against everything that you and I want to completely let go And let God have everything in complete control. Why could Isaac live this way? Why could he have it? Because his father set that example about how he acted towards God. And listen, it's very important for us. If we're going to live out a courageous faith for God. If the righteous are supposed to be bold as a lion. If we're going to uh, have the courage to stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. If we're going to be strong and have a good courage. We've got to have obedience and belief that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And just obey immediately. Say, Lord, here am I. Be available and obedient to what God has. And be in complete submission to God. Complete. Isaac's life was about that. He was willing to submit to the will of his father. In Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, we talked about this verse, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So how are we going to be a living sacrifice? We're going to be holy. It says holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You understand that a uh, begrudging sacrifice is not acceptable in the eyes of God. It has to be a willing, submissive sacrifice. If Isaac would have been uh, fighting and running away and trying to do all this stuff, I don't believe God would have uh, been blessed and blessed the situation. Here's another key ingredient about Abraham's immediate obedience. Is now, remember, it said after three days he saw the place afar off and they went. So they were traveling to go to this place where God had told him to go. And I wonder, Brother Eddie, if he would have waited a day before he obeyed God. You see what happens in the passage here. Once he goes to uh, slay his son, the angel of the Lord stops him and says, Hold on a second. Don't, put your, don't, don't harm the son. He said, I want you to look behind you. And there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And that was the sacrifice that God had already provided for Abraham and for Isaac. If Abraham would not have been obedient to God immediately, he would not have had the sacrifice to take the place of his son in that time. Parents, listen, it's so important for us 
to just be courageous and obey God immediately when he talks to us. But Isaac had enough faith in his dad's walk with God that he was willing to learn what it was about to be submissive to his father. Abraham, had Abraham not been submissive to God, do you think Isaac could have been submissive to Abraham? Probably not. Why? Because our testimony to those around us speaks louder than what our words say. We talked about that in Sunday school a little bit, and you say, what do you mean by that? That means that people are going to watch how you act, not listen to what you say. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Aren't we supposed to let our uh, mouth say the good things that God wants to say? Absolutely, but if you say the good things and live contrary to what you say, your words have no meaning or no, uh, no strength behind them. We have to live for the Lord and be courageous and be bold as a lion. But the reason I think oftentimes we're not bold as a lion is because we're living in deception inside of ourselves. We're living a double-minded life. And we say one, on one hand we love God and the other hand we love the world. And this way we want to please God and this way we want to please the world. And we wonder why we have a generation of people that don't want anything to do with God. They don't want to hear anything about God. They don't care about the things of God. Really, when you mention God to them, it angers them on the inside why because they've seen too many people that profess to know God that live contrary to that and they don't have courage to speak out for God why because they're living a lie in and of themselves you know what's going to help you with boldness is not just being obedient to God but living a life on the outside that others can see letting your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven as I studied Genesis 22 I it revealed two qualities that produce surrender, a surrendered will. And it can be expressed this way. Faith and love. Faith and love equals surrender. Faith and love equals surrender. You have faith in God and you love God. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to surrender to Him. You're going to surrender to Him. Isaac's love for Abraham can be seen in the kind way that he addresses his father. When he talks to his dad, he doesn't say, Dad, what's the problem? How come there ain't no lamb here? What's, the, what's going on? Dad, you got an issue? What's your problem? No, he says, hey, Dad, I see the fire. And I see the wood. But where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? And he says, God will provide himself a lamb. If he were like most of us, he'd say, really? You brought me all the way out here? I had to leave my house. I had to walk for three days and now climb up the mountain carrying all this wood. I'm tired. I don't feel like walking up there. We don't even have a lamb. What's the problem? But Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. And Isaac's love for his dad was expressed by the way he addresses his father. And that he trusted Abraham. And it's proved by the fact that he was willing to die if his father thought it best for him to die. You say, what are you talking about? I mean, here's this young man that allowed his dad to bind him. Lay him on the altar. Raised him. He was willing to, to die if his dad thought that was best. You know, the Bible tells us to die to self. We're supposed to die daily. That's what our father thinks is best. And I wonder how many of us are just willing to just lay down and be courageous and let God do with you what God wants to do. See, God was trying to teach us a very valuable lesson in this passage of Scripture. We need to obey immediately, but we need to be, uh, have faith and love towards Him, which will, uh, which will create submission in our hearts to God. 
I don't believe, there's some Bible students, I believe, that, that say that Abraham tricked Isaac in going up the mountain. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that he was tricking his son by not telling him. I don't believe he was trying to deceive his son. I believe he just had enough faith in his father that he knew that God was going to keep his word. I don't think he was trying to be deceptive. I don't think he was like, well, wait till I get this kid up here. Huh? He's going to get what he deserves. But I don't think he was doing that. I don't think he was trying to trick him. Oh, don't you worry, buddy. There's something up here for you, man. Let me tell you that. Uh huh. I don't think he was doing that. He wasn't trying to be deceptive to Isaac. When he walked up, I believe Abraham believed with all his heart that even if he had to slay his son, that God was going to raise his son from the dead. Why? Because God promised me a long time ago that through Isaac, my seed was going to be the sands of the seashore. And he's not even there yet. So if I have to kill my son and he doesn't come back off this mountain with me, if this doesn't happen, then God would be a liar. And I don't believe that God's a liar. I believe God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And I love him and I have enough faith to believe that when God says it, that settles it. And the fact of the matter is God's given us a book that tells us all kinds of things. And we ought to trust in God's word and understand that the word of God is something that you and I can take to the bank. If God said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Why? Because God's word will not return void. His word is true. He says, let God be true and every man a liar. And the fact of the matter is there's so many of us that point our fingers at God and we say, God, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did this to me and that you're putting me through all of this and you're allowing me to go this. And God just says, why don't you have faith? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you just love me and follow me and allow me to take your place and do this for you? The fact of the matter is that had Abraham not obeyed God, I believe Isaac would have had to die. But God provided himself a lamb. And I want you to understand that every one of us deserved to die. But there was a lamb that took our place. You know what's very intriguing about this passage of Scripture? It's something that reminds me of uh, when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Do you remember what Jesus had on his head when he's hanging on the cross? The crown of thorns. Now, where was this ram caught in the thicket by, by his head? Right? What a picture of the thorns being placed upon himself for you and I. The sacrifice of God for you and I. The very curse of sin in Genesis when he says thorns and thistles came forth as God cursed the ground. God placed the curse of sin upon his only begotten son for you and I. What a sacrifice he did for us. But I believe there's a lot of people that wrongly conclude that Abraham tricked Isaac. They reason that he didn't tell his son because his son probably wouldn't have obeyed. He didn't tell his son because what 16 year old would give of their life Listen, it says he bound him. It doesn't say Isaac put up a fight. It doesn't say that he questioned his dad. He just believed, loved his dad, and trusted in his walk with God that he was going to follow and do what his dad told him to do. Isaac's faith in Abraham, his father, shows how much he loved his father. His willingness... To follow his father up the mountain, even though his father wouldn't explain where they were going and why they were, where the sacrifice was. He didn't have all the explanation and all the details. He just followed his father. His dad said, come on, we're going up the mountain to sacrifice. And so here they go up the mountain. He just followed his dad. He followed his father up the mountain, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. 
Now they get up there and here's Abraham and he builds the altar and he lays the wood on the altar and he takes Isaac and he says, Isaac, come here. And he binds Isaac and he lays him down on there. And I could imagine there's probably a little bit of fear in Isaac. There's probably a little bit of question, but there was still submission. He lays down on the altar and he watches his dad grab the knife and he watches his dad get ready to slay him. And the angel says, stop, stop, don't harm him. He said, for now I know thou hast not kept thy son from me. He said, even though you love him, even though you have that love for him, you were willing to give him to me when I asked you to do so. Listen, there's no hint in scripture that Abraham deceived Isaac. A spiritual sacrifice could never be based on a lie. If Abraham was lying to Isaac, he could not have been right with God in sacrificing on the hill there. It was Abraham's devotion, not his deception, that allowed Isaac to the altar. You say, what are you trying to get at, preacher? Here's here's the application that I want to give you out of this passage. If I love my heavenly father, I'll desire his will. If I love my heavenly father, I'll desire his will. His will. Not my will, but thine be done. You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Let this cup pass from me. But if not, not my will, but thine be done. I wonder, is that our testimony today that we will say to God, God, not my will, but thine. Well, that means that you're going to have to sacrifice a lot. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. True courage in our faith is one that's going to have a desire to do the Father's will. It's going to have a desire to do the Father's will. If if I love my Heavenly Father, I'll desire Him. I wonder, do you love Him? Do you love Him? And there's people all across here that probably just said in their mind and in their heart, yes, I love God. So let me ask you this. Is it being lived out in your life? Do you desire to do God's will or do you desire for God to submit to your will? Do you desire to submit your will to God or do you want God to come down to where you want him to be? See, I think we put God in this little box and think, God, I want you to be here and do what I want you to do when I want you to do it, how I want you to do it. When God says, no, that's not the way I work. You have to come to where I am. You have to sacrifice yourself to do what I want you to do. And it's very easy for us to get caught up in life in this, but true courage in our faith is going to have immediate obedience because we desire the will of our Father. We desire God's will. You know what is God's will for you to be saved? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants you to be saved today. He made the way for you to go to heaven through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is believe that you're a sinner, believe that your sin had a penalty, believe that you couldn't pay that penalty, but Jesus came and died on the cross and died that death that sin earned for you and I, and that he was buried and he rose again to conquer death so that death couldn't have power over him anymore, and he offers life to anyone who will by faith just receive him as their Savior. That's anyone, no matter where they've come from, no matter what they've done, they can trust Jesus as their Savior. That's what he's done for us. That's his will for you. But you know, once you're saved, you know what his will is for you? That you serve him and you love him and you keep his commandments. That you obey him. You do what he wants you to do. But if you love your heavenly father, you're going to desire his will. Next, if you have faith in your heavenly father, you're going to trust his will. 
Not only are you going to desire His will because you love Him, but if you have faith in Him, you're going to trust Him in it. What's that mean? That means everything you have belongs to God. Everything you are belongs to God. And I know uh, oftentimes we come to church and we hear people talk about tithing and we hear people talking about giving to the Lord and a lot of people start saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, hold on, preacher. Now you're, you're meddling with our money. You can't be talking about that. You understand everything you have belongs to God. Everything you have belongs to God. Here's why people have problems with tithing, and I'm just going to throw it out there right now. You know why we have problems with it? Because God doesn't have you. God doesn't have you. Because if God has you, he'll have everything that comes with you. God doesn't have us. We're not completely surrendered to God. And listen, tithing of our money is just a byproduct of giving of ourself to God. We can say, well, if you, you, why do you always talk about money? Why do you do this? Because the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You understand money's not the not the culprit in all of this. It's the love we have for it. The love we have for it. Money's not a problem if you have money. Money's a problem if it has you. That's an issue. And it goes contrary, not just money, but anything that has you other than God is a problem. Anything that has first place in your life maybe it's relationship with somebody else maybe it's social media maybe it's work whatever it is that has you and god doesn't have you is wrong and you love that more than you love god you know what if you love god you're going to desire his will and if you have faith in god you're going to trust his will just trust him trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, are we supposed to tremble in fear? No. I'll fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, hold on a second. I'm going through a dark time. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know what? We can rejoice in that. I don't think God's ever asked any of you to walk your son up on the mountain and lay him down on an altar and sacrifice him. But you know what? Abraham's walking up that mountain and Isaac says, Dad, where's the lamb? He says, oh, son, don't worry about that. God will provide himself a lamb. And I don't think he was being deceptive to his son. I think he just had enough faith in God to know that God was going to keep his word. And listen, let me tell you this, no matter how dark it gets in your life, just have the courage to stand. Why? Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you always. He's going to make a way. He's going to make a way when there is no way. See, faith plus love equals surrender. If you really love your father, you're going to desire his will. If you have faith in him, You're going to trust him, which equals submission and surrender to him. So what's it mean to have courage in our faith? Here's what it means. Humbling ourselves and having complete surrender to God. That takes more courage than just running our mouths for God. You know what takes courage is just completely submitting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. That means I'm going to get up a little earlier and read his word because that's what he desires. And I desire his will. He desires a relationship with me. You know what that means? That means I'm going to pray not just for my meal, but I'm actually going to spend time in prayer. Man, Brother Guy gave a a quote this morning. I'm trying to remember exactly. It says, prayer shouldn't be our spare tire. It needs to be our steering wheel. What a blessing. See, we always want to just call on God when we get a flat in life. But prayer ought to be what drives us. Prayer ought to be what steers us along the way. See, God desires that. He desires that relationship with you and I. He wants us to give. Why? So it can be given. It's all His anyway. God does some miracles 
when we have a giving heart. And it's not a problem in our life if God has us completely. If we're completely surrendered, there's nothing God can ask for that he's not going to get from us. If we have complete surrender to God. If you just say, Lord, here, here am I. If he calls you by name and says, Jeff Myers, are you going to say, Lord, here am I? If he says, hey, Ron, quick, oh, here am I. And on and on I could go if he calls us by name this morning and says, hey, and he calls you out, are you going to say, Lord, here I am? Lord, here am I. And once you say, here am I, and God gives that command on what he wants you to do, are you going to have enough courage just to obey and do what God says to do? You know what that means? Maybe you've got to get rid of some things in your life. You're going to put some things away that are taking place over him in your life. Maybe we need to get rid of this or get rid of that. Why? Because it's coming before our relationship with God and anything that we place before God is becoming an idol in our life and we've got to get that put away and put God in the preeminence where he belongs. The Bible says in all things that God ought to be preeminent. That means he needs to be the head of it all. The head of our homes, the head of our lives, the head of our money, the head of our jobs, the head of all that. But Isaac could have enough courage to believe in his father. Why? Because his father had enough courage to believe in God. Parents, adults, let me encourage you. This next generation needs to see a group of people that are courageous in their faith for God. That are going to step out and do the impossible things. Because they believe God can do it. Our verse, Matthew 17, 20. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it goes on, he says, but nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing shall be impossible. You know what that means? That person you've been praying for for years to be saved, it can happen. It can happen. That disease that you're praying for that wants to be healed, God may not do it, but it's possible with God. It's possible with God. Let's quit living a life as putting God in this area that, oh, it can't happen. Let's just step out by faith. Let's get out of the boat and just keep our eyes on the Lord and just walk on the water for God. Why? Because nothing's impossible if we just have courage and obey and have faith. The Bible says there's a song that says trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. See, if you have faith in God, you're going to trust him. If you love him, you're going to desire his will. And faith and love together, guess what they equal? Surrender. And guess what surrender shows? Courage. You say, how does surrender show courage? If our military guys surrender, they're not courageous. See, here's the problem. Is we're trying to liken it to the fleshly type of surrender with our military and all that. It has totally different aspect here. Is what we're doing is we're surrendering the flesh and giving God that so that the spirit can have preeminence in our life. What that means is we have to get rid of ourself and put God first. Put God first. I wonder how many of us will do that this morning. You want to see revival in our land? If you want to see revival in our land, guess what it's going to take? Faith and love, which equals surrender. But it's going to take some courage. Because you know what? You may have to get rid of some friends in your life. You may have to get rid of some situations in your life. You may have to get rid of some things that are in your life that ought not to be there. You have to get rid of pride. Get rid of self. That's the biggest thing. Get rid of all that. Why? That God can have preeminence in our life. With our heads bowed.